Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Let's jump in week two of Emmanuel, God is with us. That's... That's something that is said and repeated a lot during the season, that unto you a child is born, and um, he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And we spent some time last week looking at exactly how God is with us, because there's some things that I want you to know, there's some things that I want you to feel as a pastor, and there's also some things that I want us to do in obedience. And Last week, I just want to help us to understand how God is with us, that he is never not with us. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that we actually have his presence not just with us, but his spirit indwells within us. And so we walk with him. And, and this promise that God is with us is all throughout scripture, from Genesis to Revelations. And let's just be honest, like there are days that's easier to believe, right, than others. Like when you get the closest parking lot in the middle of a pouring rain, like God's definitely with us, right? Um, when we get the, the healing that we've been praying for, God's with us. When we get the promotion we've been praying for, God's with us. When our wife lets us go to our favorite restaurant and they don't complain, God is with us. <laughs> Can I get an amen, ladies and gentlemen? And guys, we will hide in the back after service so that we can <laughs> survive. But then there are also these days, right? where we wanna believe that God is with us, but it just doesn't feel like he is. And it can be anything from the buggy hitting our car. It can be when we get passed over from the promotion or, or maybe we don't get the healing that we've been praying for or God doesn't show up in the way that we think he should in the time that he should. And, and there are these times where it just feels like it's one battle after another and it's one struggle after another, anybody else, and, and, and we feel alone. And so... It's hard for us to lean into this promise that God is with us. And even as we're reading in, in scripture and, and we want to believe that God is with us, sometimes that doesn't feel like enough. And I know that's kind of hard for me to even say or describe, but we read that and it's almost like, Jesus, I want you with me, but is that really enough? And, and we, we um, need to know that it's okay to feel that way sometimes. But we also need to know that we don't stay there. We read throughout scriptures that, that some of the greatest saints struggled with these feelings of loneliness. And let's just read Psalm 22, verses one and two. And this is, this is David writing. This is the first of, of three, what's called the shepherd Psalms. And he says this, and many of us have, have, have felt this way. He says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan out for help? Every day I call you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift up my voice, but I find 
no relief. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And we see Jesus echoing this on the cross when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so David is, a lot of times we will read this and we think David is writing about stuff that he's going through. And he is in one instance, but he's, he's also working through the gift of prophecy and, and, and he's writing about what's to come with our Savior and what he's going to experience. So Psalms 22, 23, and 24 are these shepherd psalms, so to speak. And, and he's saying this, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? There's this, there's this sense of loneliness sometimes for some of us in this season. And I think about members of my family who, you know, either they've had loved ones that have passed away or they've had loved ones that have moved away. There's this, there's this sense of being alone uh, but then there's also a difference between being alone and being lonely, right? Because you can be alone and it's a good thing, but then you can be alone and it's not a good thing. And, and I read this quote by theologian Paul, Paul Tillich, and, and he says this. He's from the early 1900s, late 1800s. He says, our, our language has wise, wisely sensed that there's two sides of man's being alone. And so he says that he's, it has created the word loneliness to express the pain of being alone. And he says, but we've also created the word of solitude to express the glory of being alone, <laughs> right? Some of you laugh, that's like all my introverts. It's glorious, right? All my Enneagram nines and introverts, like just leave me alone, I'm just completely fine. But, but there is this sense, like, like we see Jesus getting alone often and praying. But then there's also times when, when you're alone and, and you don't feel lonely, you feel at peace, you can be completely content. But then I know personally that you can also feel lonely when you're in a crowded room. You can feel lonely in this room right now. You can feel lonely when you're surrounded by loved ones who love you dearly and appreciate you and you love them. But even in that moment, you're not alone, but you are lonely. And, and looking at, you know, different studies of, of where we're at as, as a culture and, and as a people, on average in America, according to, to, to 2019, this was pre-pandemic, um, and it's probably ex like way greater now, but 56% of America say that they felt lonely more often than not. That's over half. And then when you start throwing in different racial demographics and education demographics and, and stage of life, that percentage can increase 10 to 20% on top of that. And that is just mind-blowing that we walk in long seasons at times of loneliness. And I got to thinking about like, why, why is that? And, and what happens is, is we're lonely because we have these things in our life that people are unaware of. We, we have these decisions that we've made and the consequences of it. Scripture calls that sin that people are unaware of. We have these hurts and cuts that are deep that people are unaware of. We go through experiences and, and valleys that people are unaware of and we think that, that no one knows and if they do know, what will they think about it? And we don't just withhold it from people, but I find in my, in my life, I'm also am withholding those things from God. And that's where we find ourselves like David saying, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? 
He's never left us. And this is what loneliness is. If, if I had to describe it and kind of take in Paul's definition, loneliness is the pain we feel when we are not fully known and loved. It's not just the pain of being alone. But it's the loneliness is the pain that we feel when we recognize that we are not fully known and fully loved. That, that when there's, there, there's people that, that, that don't know us, they don't understand us. And if you were to think about, guys, if you were to think about a time in your life when you were at your loneliness, it was probably in that season, or maybe it's even now, to where there's something going on in your life, something that you're struggling with, something that you're afraid of, that you're, and, and nobody knows about it. Like you've not even whispered it to God because you're afraid of, of how he will think about you because of that. People don't know what's going on in your world, or, or maybe you're not feeling as loved as you once did, and you're lonely. Um, loneliness has actually been around since the garden. In Genesis 2, man and woman are, are in the garden, and they're hanging out with God. It's like the most intimate relationship, and, and I love the end of uh, Genesis chapter 2. It says that, that they were naked and unashamed. And like I read that years ago, and it just kind of hit me like they were naked and unashamed. And I got to thinking about like children, like toddlers. I mean, they just run around the house naked. They don't care who's there. <laughs> like, 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 you know, I, my kids aren't here, so I can say it. Like there were times, like we've all had toddlers. Like you have a crowd at the house and the diaper's just off and you don't know how I can't. Like they're completely unashamed with who they are and they don't care. And that's how Adam and Eve were. But what happens is through life, we grow and we're not naked and unashamed. We are naked and afraid, right? Or naked and unashamed. Naked and ashamed of, of, of who we are. Um, Genesis chapter three says this and says, you know, absolutely nothing was hidden from each other. Nothing was hidden from God. Um, they weren't just physically, you know, naked. They were also spiritually naked. Everything was exposed Genesis 3 says, this is, this is when it changed. It says, at that moment, when Adam and Eve took the apple, it says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt, what? Shame at their nakedness. So they sewed together fig leaves to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard that the Lord God was walking about in the garden. So what did they do? They They hid. They hid from the Lord God among the trees and the Lord called out to them, where are you? And anytime God calls us that and he asks us that question and he says, you know, Stephen, where are you? He's not wanting to know where I am. He knows exactly where I am. He's wanting me to recognize where I am. And he's asking me, Stephen, do you know where you're at? And he says, where are you? And the man replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid, I was afraid because I was naked. And one of the things for us is, is we feel lonely as a result of sin and shame that comes with it. And there are tons of consequences that comes from our sin. You know, it's, it says in Ephesians that, you know, we will reap what we sow, that we can't mock God's judgment, God's consequences. But I think in humanity for us, one of the greatest consequences that comes from sin is shame. 
because it's that shame of knowing what we've done. It's that shame of, of seeing that we've broken God's heart, that we've you know, damaged our spirit. It's that shame that sends us into hiding. And it may not just be physically to where we're hiding and isolating, but it, it causes us to hide from those that are closest to us it, it sends us into hiding. And, and I got to thinking about this even this morning that in hiding our sins, and that's, that's really what, what Adam and Eve were trying to do when they put together the fig leaves and he had, they were trying to hide their sins, but what they were doing in the process of hiding their sins is they were also hiding themselves. And that when you and I, when we recognize the sin and we try to cover it up, we wind up not just hiding our sins, but hiding ourselves from those around us and also from the one who loves us and we're not fully known in that moment for the risk of being fully known and not loved. And so sin and shame causes us to separate and kind of feel lonely, to be alone but also to feel lonely, which is even worse. But then another thing that I think about in my life is we feel lonely in the valleys and the wildernesses of life. We feel lonely in the valley and the wildernesses of life. And when you look in scripture, these valleys are really like symbolic of these low points in life. And in, in valleys, there were battles that took place. In valleys, there were droughts. In valleys, there were these um, places and times of being unsafe and unsettled. You didn't want to travel through a valley. You wanted to go around the valley. Um, we even see in Psalm 23 that even though I walk through what? The valley of the shadow of death. And so it's just something about being in these low points in life that causes us to feel lonely, which is the pain of not being fully known and loved, not just being alone, right? And then when you look at, at, at the wilderness, what the wilderness is, is it's often these times of transition, it's these times of wandering and not quite being where we were, but not quite being where we're going to. Like all in scripture in the Old Testament, when we see folks in the wilderness, a lot of times it's a point of transition. When, when Abraham and God says, listen, I want you to leave your family and go to the place that I will show you, guess what he traveled through? The wilderness. When Moses ran after he committed a sin, killed the guy and then buried it, that's hardcore, right? Buried the body and then he fled into the wilderness. But it was a transition for him between coming out of Egyptian kind of lifestyle back into his Hebrew heritage. And then we see the children of Israel, they're wandering in the what? Wilderness. It's a transition between captivity and freedom. We see David after he's anointed king and he's chased out of the, the kingdom by Saul, we find him in the what? Wilderness. Jesus, before he transitions from a son into our savior, right? Walking into his ministry, he spent 40 days fasting in the what? Wilderness. It was a transition point. And the transition points in life, and some of you may be in those. You're in this one, like, like you're, you're, you're in the in-between. You're not where, you're, where you were, but you're not quite where God has you going. And you may not even be certain of that. 
You know, it was like, man, 2019, 2020, and even part of 2021 was just a long wilderness season for my family. We just weren't quite there. And it's in these valleys, guys, in these low points of life where, where we're battling, where there's drought. It's in this wilderness that we feel lonely. Um, 1 Kings chapter 19, and, and I love reading 1 Kings 18 and 19. It's the story of Elijah. And, and in chapter 18, Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal by calling down fire from heaven, and then he kills them all. And then he goes back and he talks to King Ahab about it. And there's been a drought for all these years and he prays and, you know, the drought ends. And so all these great things are happening in Elijah's life in this moment. He's on the mountaintop. But then Jezebel finds out about it and is like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And so he immediately just falls off the cliff from the mountaintop celebrating God's power and goodness. And then he drops into the cliff just depressed because one woman said that he, she was going to kill him. And so this is what he does. It says, Elijah was afraid in verse three, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. So he goes to a town. So he's got some servants with him. And so he, he stops there, leaves them there, and then goes on alone into what? The wilderness, Traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Anybody said that to God like in the last week? <laughs> like this morning? Yeah, this morning. <laughs> I've had enough, Lord. I can't take it anymore. He says, take my life for I'm no better than any of my ancestors who have died. And, and I heard my pastor say this once and I just, like, it doesn't make sense. There is someone wanting to kill you and you run because you don't wanna die. But in the midst of your running, you say, God, kill me. Like, just stop running, <laughs> right? You're wasting time, Elijah. <laughs> this could have already been taken care of, right? And so he just like, we get that way when we're in these seasons of loneliness where sometimes what we're saying and what we're thinking is, is, is not just matching up. I don't wanna die, so I'm gonna run, but I wanna die in the wilderness, so Lord, kill me. So just, just go back to, like, she's waiting on you, right? But he's, he's even in a season of transition. He's feeling alone. And so God, God calls him. He goes into, in, in, into a cave and God calls him out of the cave. And he says, go stand before the mountain. And we know the story is like, you know, a, a windstorm came, but God was not in the windstorm. An earthquake came, but God was not in the earthquake. A fire came, but God was not in the fire. And Elijah heard a faint whisper, and what did he do? He covered his face, and he went out, and he stood before the Lord. And, the, and, and the God, rem, God reminded him that he was with him, that he was with him, but then he also had 7,000 people who had not bowed to Baal that would be standing with him. And he said, look, go and anoint a new prophet that's going to take your place. Anoint new kings that's going to take their place. And so even Elijah was in this transition of being the prophet for the children of Israel that now he's transitioning to anointing someone else. And so we're gonna be in these seasons of, of valleys, in these seasons of wilderness. We're gonna make decisions that are, that are, you know, go against God's best for our life that causes us to be lonely if we do not address it the right way. And let me just encourage you this. Don't rush out of seasons of loneliness, we, we, we don't do good with that. But it could be that in this season of loneliness, God is wanting you to know something about him or he's wanting to recognize something within you.
And, and, and in my study, I heard this pastor say this. He's like, we may enjoy God on the mountain. Like we, we wanna stay on the mountain and just enjoy his presence there. And even when the disciples were with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration and, and they saw his transfiguration and they saw Moses and Elijah, like, Lord, let us stay up here. He says, no, we can't stay up here. We have to go back down. We enjoy God on the mountain. I love this. We get to know him in the valleys and in the wildernesses of life. We celebrate and we enjoy God in the mountains of life. But looking, and like after I read that, looking back at my life, I grew closer to God in the harder times and in the lonely seasons than I do on the, I, man, let's, let's sing, let's shout, let's raise the roof. I, I don't wanna go down in the valley, but I know it's in the valley and it's in those seasons of loneliness that we grow closer to God and get to know him more intimately. But what happens is we miss those opportunities of what God is wanting to teach us because we believe, we start listening to, I think, some lies that the enemy whispers. The enemy, you know, Satan is the father of lies. And so he's always trying to tell us things that are contradictory to the nature of God. And, and when I got to thinking about some of, these, some of these lies that we listen to and some of these lies that we believe, it's, it's true for me and I know it may be true for you. And so I'm gonna give us four lies that if we're not careful in our lonely seasons, we will believe these. But I wanna, I wanna replace these lies with some truths that are based on scripture. So it's not scripture, but it is scripture, right? It's, it's for lack of a better word, positive affirmations. And I know we laugh at that, right? But we speak negatively to ourselves way more than we encourage ourselves. We are, we are our own worst critics. And some of the things that we believe that the enemy speaks to us in these seasons of loneliness is this one is I am alone. We think I am alone. And, and the truth is, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that is not the truth that in Deuteronomy, he says in Deuteronomy 31, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will go before you. That's echoed in Matthew when Jesus says, I will be with you even until the ends of the age. And so, yeah, you know, I may feel like I'm alone, but the truth that I want us to walk with is I may be lonely, but I'm not alone. I may be lonely, but I'm not alone. My God is with me and he is for me. That if God is for me, then, then who can be against me, right? I may feel lonely, but I'm not alone. And for some of you in this room, you keep saying, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone. Listen to my heart. You may be lonely, but you are not alone. Your God is with you, he never leaves you, he never forsakes you, and he is for you. The other lie that I think we believe a lot of times is, is this, no one understands me. I remember when one of our, I don't remember which one, it kinda all blurs together when you have multiple kids and you're just trying to survive sometimes. And like I remember one of my kids when, when, when she was a toddler and we were trying to help her understand something and she was getting frustrated because we were wanting her to do something and I don't remember she was like ah, you just don't understand me right and and it was just cute and like toddler 
babble or whatever. You just don't understand me. And the truth was, I understood what she was saying. I just wasn't agreeing with her. And a lot of times we think when someone doesn't agree with us or God doesn't agree with us, he doesn't understand us. It's not the understanding that's lacking. It's there's a disagreement there. And so we believe this at times, no one understands me. I'm gonna read, it's not on the screens, but I'm gonna read several passages from Psalm 139 that speaks a different truth to that. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, Lord, even before I say it. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Lord, I can never escape your spirit in verse seven. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask for the darkness to hide me, the light around me to become the night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. In verse 13, and lean into this, it says, you made all the delicate parts, all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you, Lord, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well do I know this? It says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. The lie is... No one understands me. The truth is my God knows me intimately. My God knows me intimately. He knows exactly how I feel and he cares. He knows exactly how you feel and he cares. He put you together. He knows how you work. He knows what you're thinking even before you think it. He knows what you're gonna say even before you say it. But the lie is no one understands me. We know by the incarnation presence of Christ that he's experienced everything we could ever experience and understands us greater than anyone could ever understand us. Third lie I think we believe and we listen to a lot is I don't have enough faith. It's like if I just had enough faith, I could come out of this valley. If I just had enough faith, I could get through this wilderness. If I just had enough faith, I would overcome this temptation. If I just had enough faith, then... I don't have enough faith. And if we're not careful, and this is like, there's so much about different communities of the Christian faith. But what can be so dangerous about the charismatic, spirit-filled, faith-filled movement is we will gospelize the faith, like gospelize our faith. And we, we, we wanna put our faith in our faith and say, well, if you only had enough faith, but it's not about our faith. Because when you go through and you read scripture, um, it says it's impossible to please God without faith. So if we're gonna please God, we have to do what? We have to have faith. But I'm just glad that scripture says that to each person is given a measure of faith. 
And so the faith that God wants you to have to start with, he gives you that. And you know how much that is? Scripture says all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. It's not much. Like it's so small if you've ever seen a mustard seed. But we think we have to have these great amounts of faith and we have to have this great faith feeling Sometimes you're not feeling very faithful. Sometimes you're feeling very afraid. But even in that fear, you take that step in faith. And that's all you need is just enough to take one step. We have to have faith to please God. We're each given a measure of faith, and it just has to be a little bit. Then Scripture also says that we are to look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So our faith is not tied to just how much we believe, but it's tied to Jesus. And so the truth that I want us to believe if you're feeling lonely and you don't feel like you have enough faith is it's okay to say this is, I don't know what the outcome will be, but I will put my hope in Jesus. I don't know what the outcome will be, but I'm gonna put my hope in Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm looking up at, up at him as I walk through this season of loneliness. And if we're not careful, we will allow these seasons of loneliness to, to move from I'm alone to no one understands me to I don't have enough faith. And we will allow it to get to the point to where we feel like God just doesn't love me. We have been isolated for so long. We have been separated for so long. We have felt this pain for so long that it's lasting and we start to feel like God doesn't love me. That is a complete contradictory to what the word of God says. It's complete contradictory to God's actions towards us. And we think that, that God's love for us is predicated on our actions, our attitude, our behaviors. It's on none of that. It has nothing to do with who we are, but it has everything to do with who he is. And so the truth is this, is God doesn't just love. He is love. According to 1 John 4, right? He doesn't just love, he is love. And it says nothing can separate us from that love. So in your season of loneliness maybe and you're feeling unloved, like God doesn't just love you, like that's all that he is and there's absolutely nothing you can do according to Romans that can separate nothing above, nothing below can separate you from that love because everything that Christ has done for you, that is the greatest extent of his love and it cannot be taken back. It cannot be undone. And so as we read through these, it's like, what, what lie are you listening to? I'm alone. No one understands me. I don't have enough faith. I don't, I don't, um, I don't think God loves me. Which of those lies are you listening to? And I love this verse in Hebrews chapter four. It says, this high priest of ours, speaking of Jesus, he understands our weakness for he faced all of the same testings that we do. He faced it all from abandonment, obviously persecution, but broken heartedness, disappointment, remorse, says he faced all the same testings we did yet he did not sin so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God let us come boldly and there we will receive his mercy 
and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And I read that verse, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And we can read that like we walk in, like, like bust in the room, demanding, demanding something. We can't demand anything of him. We can trust everything in him. And, and that thought of walking in boldly is not about, and that's, that's how I used to read it. It's like, I can walk in and tell Jesus what to do, right? As if, <laughs> imagine that. But it's me and the confidence of, of, of how God sees me, of how God sees me, that I don't have to walk in lonely. I don't have to walk in hiding because of my sin, because of my shame, because of this valley, because of this wilderness I feel like I've been stuck in. I can walk in because he understands me. And he's not going to tell me to leave because he knows my struggles because he took on my struggles. Go back to to the first psalm that we read in 22 and it's funny it says my god my god why have you abandoned me why are you so far away from me when i groan for help it's david writing this he says every day i call to you my god but you do not answer every night i lift my voice but i find no relief it's in one chapter you go to the very next chapter the very next chapter and we sang about it this morning it says the Lord is my shepherd my God where are you God you're my shepherd I have everything that I need he leads me to rest in green meadows leads me besides peaceful streams he renews my strength he guides me along the right paths bringing honor to his name even when I walk through the darkest valleys I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Guys, it's okay to have these seasons where we feel like, God, where are you? We don't believe the lies while we're in that season that we're alone, that we're unloved, that we don't have the faith, that no one understands us. We don't believe those lies. We, we, we lean into that and say, God, what are you wanting to show me about me? What are you wanting me to learn about you? That, that, that you are my good shepherd. Very next chapter, you are my good shepherd. Even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, you're there. Even though I'm in my loneliness, you are there. And understanding that, guys, we can come boldly to our Savior and he gives us the mercy and the grace that we need when we need it. And so I wanna pray for us a little bit differently this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna wanna pray very specifically on some of these lies that we're listening to. Because some of us, we may be listening to all of them, but for some of you in this room, there's, there's one, maybe two that, like struck you to the core. And so if you're here today and you're like, Stephen, I, I just really, really feel like I'm alone. Like it's going beyond lonely. Like I feel like there is no one with me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Like you just feel alone, like, like no one is with you. Okay. And we're gonna replace that lie with I may be lonely, but I'm not alone. My God is with me. My God is for me. 
Maybe you're here today and you feel like, like no one understands me. No one understands what I'm going through. If that's you, I want to pray specifically for you. If that's you, just lift your hand so I can see. And in that lie, in that lie, we say, my God knows me intimately. And he knows exactly how I feel. And he cares. Maybe you think I don't have enough faith. There's something ahead of you and you don't realize what it is. You don't see what it is. You don't, you don't know how to, to go above it, to go around it. And you're like, I just don't feel like I have enough faith. If that has been a lie that the enemy tries to get you to listen to, would you just lift your hand? Awesome. Awesome. We're going to replace that lie. And we're going to say that, that I don't know the outcome. I don't know what it will be but I will put my hope in Jesus. And maybe for you, it's like, it's all just compounded to where you feel just completely unloved. And if that's you, would you lift your hand? It's like, that's just me. I feel like I'm not loved by those around me. I feel like God doesn't love me because I feel like he doesn't see me. And we replace that lie with God doesn't just love, he is love. Nothing can separate Bye.